It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast, the Bengals edition on the bye week. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist and editor with Jed Demusi, Local12 sports producer, anchor, and reporter. Uh, Jed, the, the, the bye does kind of come at a good week for the Bengals. Uh, there's some belief Andy Dalton probably wouldn't have played this Sunday if they had had to play with the ankle he rolled. Adam Jones definitely was not going to play with the back. Drake Patrick probably wasn't going to play with the shoulders. So all in all, even though they'd won two games, have a little momentum going, bye week probably does come at a pretty good time for this team. Yeah, I think uh, I think it certainly did. I think a lot of people were surprised to see Dalton in, in a walking boot right after the game or on Monday when, when he was in the facility. I, I, I don't know how much he gutted out that performance. We saw A.J. Green a little nicked up towards the towards the end of that game. So it, it, it does come at a good time. This this could potentially be uh, – I know, I, know I, I saw some comments this week with those guys potentially hopefully being back for Pittsburgh. That's the plan, right? The, those yes. two cornerbacks yes. and, and Dalton being back for Pittsburgh. What about John Ross? That, that, I mean, that, that, it's the elephant in the room. We'll get to, obviously, the Tyler Eifert yeah. news um, and discuss that here in just a little bit. Um, if you didn't hear, he's, he's done for the season, going to have back surgery again, but we'll touch on that. The John Ross one is interesting because I thought Marvin Lewis's comments were interesting. Um, he did uh, he did get back to the rehab field last week leading up to the, uh, to the Buffalo game but did not participate in a practice. I, I would think with another week having gone by, it would stun me if he's not at least a limited participant in Monday's practice and then maybe in Wednesday's practice, if not a full. Um, I, I would say if he's a full participant by Thursday, then he plays in Sunday's game. If you still see him limited as, as late as Thursday of the week, I, I don't think he plays. I, I think they'd like to see him play. But as Marvin pointed out, I thought it was an interesting comment, I need to see him practice. He's got to earn his way onto the to the roster on a Sunday. And I think that was a little shot at John. I don't know if it's a shot at John's toughness. If it's a shot at, look, we haven't really seen much of him. I can't really make a complete evaluation if he's ready to play in an NFL game. Or if it was just a little slight nudge to say, let's get out there and get your job done and, and we'll put you on the roster. Yeah, I, I, I kind of touched on it a couple weeks ago that I didn't know if John Ross's health was the only reason keeping him from on the field. I think I think Marvin... Well, I, think it, I think it is because he hasn't practiced. I mean, that's the thing. If, if he'd practiced and hadn't gotten on or been limited... Then, then you might be on to something. But, but I, I think it's coaches, – coaches don't like guys missing practice. They just don't like it. And, and I think in this case, it's the old – the difference between, between injury and, and pain are two different things. And, again, I, I'm not here to tell you I, I know how John Ross handles this. I, I'm not here to point the finger at John Ross. Um, but Marvin can do that if he so desires, and it sounds like that's what he's kind of, kind of leaning towards. And I think there's there's something to the fact that, that coaches don't like guys missing practice. Coaches don't like first-round picks missing practice. <laughs> and, and whether or not this has manifested itself into something where Marvin Lewis feels he needs to, through the media, take a little jab at him, I mean, that, that's that's not what you want to see. And, and hopefully the message is relayed to Ross through that. But, but you would think that there would be something – that he could say to him privately that, that I mean I mean what 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 sort of the steps in terms of Marvin turning to the media and saying something to Ross that way has has other thing have other things not gotten through very rarely does he do that I thought he did that a little bit with Tyler Eifert in the preseason when they kept him down and, and then he brought up some knee tendonitis issues um, 
I thought that was a, a, a thinly veiled way to say need to be a little tougher. Now we obviously see the backs crop back or crept back in, into his his issues. Um, but yeah, it, it feels like this has been an awful lingering situation. He did re-injure it the week of the Packer game. That, that's a fact. He did retweak it. But obviously there's no structural damage. It was a knee sprain in the preseason. Um, didn't play the first game, played the second game, fumbled. We never saw him again after the fumble. Um, but he's not the first guy that's fumbled in a football game. I mean, if this was habitual, if this was his fifth straight game with a fumble, then we could probably read a little bit more into it. I think this is more of, look, I, I've got other guys that are at least showing me some things in practice. Josh Malone, from what my, I understand, is darn close to being on the 46-man roster. has been darn close the last few weeks. They haven't pulled the trigger on it. In the pecking order right now, Josh Malone actually might be ahead of John Ross. And that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm saying. I think I think he's because he's been hurt. It's not just it's not just because he's been hurt, but because he's been hurt. Other guys have passed other, him by. Right. Other guys have passed him by, and Marvin Lewis has to justify. I understand you're the first round pick, but why do you deserve a spot over Josh Malone? If, right. if, if if what you're saying is true. He he's it's a double whammy. He's not getting an opportunity to practice because he's hurt, but he's also not putting himself any higher in the pecking order than some of the other wide receivers. I think we can at least agree they should not do that. They should not run him in motion and run <laughs> and run that play because he fumbled or he hurt himself against Indy in the final preseason game, and then he fumbled against the Ravens. So maybe take that out of the playbook. Did get twelve yards though. One of the one of the better one of the more productive runs of the year, except for the fumble. So. <laughs> I know Bill Lazor likes going back to things just because they don't work one time. That doesn't mean that they won't work if he sees something, but maybe take that out of the playbook. I don't know. And we're going to touch on Bill Lazor and kind of his impact uh, here as well and look at the offense going forward. But let's touch on Tyler Eifert. Um, I had mentioned to some, some other colleagues that, that I cover with on a daily basis, and I, I guess it sounded flippant when I said it to him. When he didn't practice for a couple of weeks after the, after the Houston game, I turned to somebody and said, I wonder if we ever see him play again. And, and the person went, oh, he'll play. I said, I really wonder if it's if he's not even back practicing, something obviously is really structurally wrong. And now we find out two weeks even after that that now he's having surgery again. This is three back surgeries since 2009. He had his first back surgery in college at Notre Dame. Had the other back surgery this offseason. He's having another back surgery. This one completely unrelated to the other back surgeries. There's only so much the human body can take, and, I, and I'm not saying this flippantly. I, I wonder if we—I don't think we ever see him in a Bengals uniform again because I, I just can't see them. Um, they're certainly not going to franchise tag him now. They're not going to sign him to a deal that is conducive for him now. Maybe if you could get him for bargain basement price, and he's willing to do that, um, maybe you you do that. Um, but I, I just wonder, really, if you ever see him in an NFL uniform again. Um, this has just become very cumulative for the most part. Well, and to say nothing of the concussion issues that he's had, to say nothing of the, the, the foot problem that he had in the Pro Bowl or ankle or whatever that was. Yeah, ankle, foot, yes. Yeah, so that we're just talking back surgeries here. And, and there's also an accumulation of other things that he's had, which, which I mean, basically you were saying. I just, I, I don't want people to forget the fact that he he just can't seem this year last year when he's played he he just can't seem to figure out a way to not take the big hit when he's when he's on the field when he catches one in but the, in the I, scene. I I really think you're seeing that with a lot of tight yeah, ends right now that's true. um you know Gronk's obviously had his issues with it um, I'm doing a couple of these off the time. I had Jordan Reed recently suffered an injury. He's back oh. now, but he's he missed a couple of Reed's weeks. Reed's had a lot of concussions. Um, I'm missing a couple other tight ends. There's been a handful um, that, that have had this issue. 
And I, I just I think that position, if you're really good at that position and you're the guy that can get in the seam and, and yeah. take that in between the safety and the linebacker, chances are pretty good you're going to take a pretty good hit. Yeah, I mean, Jason Witten played with a ruptured spleen right, a few right, years ago. Right. I mean, there are guys throughout the years that have that have really taken shots. So I don't I don't know if that's a slight against Tyler that he can't figure out how to not take a big hit, but maybe I think it's, it's just, just a position thing. And I think, you know, people, and I, I got that he's on Twitter when, when I tweeted out that he was out or having the surgery whatever, that soft, um, not tough enough. Look, people, <laughs> let, me, let me just tell you something. You know, look, th- th- there's some luck involved with this. Unfortunately for him, some bad luck. There are some guys that do, let's face it, that are injury prone. Right, wrong, or indifferent, it, it happens. I- I'm just going to ask you to do this. I'm going to make you have, why don't you go have elbow surgery next week, and in about another eight months, go have your first back surgery, and then I'll tell you what, how about in another year after that, go have elbow surgery after, I'll, I'll just bring some guys over, we'll dislocate your elbow, go have elbow surgery, then I'll tell you what, I'll take a ball back to your back again, you can go have surgery again. Does anybody really want to do that? Would you want to do that? No. No, there's, there's I was no scared question. to put a pin in a broken finger, for goodness sakes. Yeah. I, I, I can't call him soft. All I can say is it's just bad luck, unfortunately. No, he's... I don't. I don't understand, and and you get a lot more of that seedy Twitter underbelly than I do. But I, I don't understand how you can watch the hits that he's taking. If you want to say, kind of what I said was, gosh, it'd be nice if he could figure out a way to avoid some of these hits. But when you see him get hit, when you see him get popped over the middle in the Steeler game last year at Pittsburgh, he took some shots in that game. He took some shots against the Texans this year. I mean, th- there are some times where you look at him and say, I can't believe he's still playing in this game. He's gutting out the rest of this game. I I, I don't know. Surgeries aside, take that out of the equation. Just just it, the hits that he takes passes the eye test for me saying, oh, my gosh, you know, that's he's, he's taking some shots. And I don't know. I, I think you're, you're spot on. I don't think he comes back in a Bengals uniform. You can't franchise him. There's, there's yeah, no right. way. Correct. Um, if he if he takes a, a team friendly deal, maybe that maybe that's the case. It would have to be really team friendly. Yeah, I I think there's all there always seems to be a team out there in the NFL sure. that's 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 uh, figures. You know, we'll we'll make this incentive laden and we'll give him. It'll look like a big ticket signing, but really it's more incentive based. I could see somebody maybe pulling the trigger on that potentially. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think I think he's done as a Bengal, and that's that's terrible because he's he's very talented. No doubt. That, that's the I feel for him, and I and I'm I, I'm sorry for that for any player to be honest with you. I do feel for him, and I feel that that we we only got to see just a flash of that talent. Now that said, I wrote a piece on local12.com in which uh, the gist of, the the gist of it was that this isn't as big a loss as Bengals fans think it is, and and it, there's two reasons for this. Look, in, in 2015, the guy was really, really good. And he was especially good catching touchdowns. He had 13 touchdown receptions, by far the most by a Bengals tight end ever. But when you look at the numbers, he still only finished with 52 catches for a little over 600 yards. It wasn't like we're talking Gronk-like numbers or, you know, flirting with 80 for 1,000. And what you, when you look at what Tyler Croft has done the last three games in, in, in his place, and again, this is a small sample size. Right. I, I always like sample sizes. I like the guy that hits a home run on opening day. You know he's on pace for, right? Toughy. Roads. He's on pace for what? Well, he was on pace for 486 <laughs> yeah, homers. But the guy gets a home run on opening day is on pace for 162 homers. Right. No one's ever hit 162 right. homers. Baseball's very, dead to me anyway. Let's very, I know it is. I'm sorry for your <laughs> But But over the last three games, if you took what Tyler Croft did and, and put that into a 16-game schedule, he would finish with 69 catches, 715 yards, and 11 touchdowns. 
more than Tyler Eifert numbers in, in two categories and almost basically what Tyler did in, in 2015. The other part um, is that Bill Lazor, who's the new offensive coordinator, you know how many game plans he's had with Tyler Eifert in it? Zero. Zero. Right. Yeah. So he's never had to – I'm sure he'd like the game plan with him in it, but it's not like suddenly you've taken a piece that he's really let, – let's just say that he decided, I'm going to find 10 targets a game for that guy. Much like he's done, I'm going to find 13 targets a game for A.J. Green. Right. Somehow, way. He hasn't had a game plan with him in it, so so he doesn't know what he's. I think he knows what he's missing, but my point being, I think Tyler Eifert is a talent, and I think if healthy, what he showed in 2015 is how good he can be. But even then, we're not talking colossal numbers. We're talking a lot of touchdowns and a lot of red zone touchdowns. I think all but one or two of those touchdowns came in the red zone. But I, I think Tyler Croft can do at least a serviceable enough job that you're not really going to miss him. And the fact that. You've missed so much time with yeah, him anyway. He's only right. played 39 games in his career. That's the thing. He yeah. has played 39 games in his career. Yeah. And he, he's played, I think that's less than half. It is very much less than half. Yeah, yes. less than half of, of his time. I mean, game game one of, what, 14, 16? The years game, 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 one of, game one of 14, he played eight snaps dislocated and dislocated elbow. his elbow in Baltimore. Yes. Right. So, I, I mean, yeah, you're right. Bill Lazor hasn't had to hasn't had a game plan with him in it, but... Ken Zambezi, Hugh Jackson, have had to have a game plan thinking that he may not play because Correct. he has been either out for the year or, or you know, touch and go, for, for lack of a better term. So I, I think at his finest, he could there, – there was a point in time where you had to look and say he's one of the best tight ends in the game. But he cannot. He can't stay on the field, and I don't think that has anything to do with his that he's not tough, that he's soft, or no, whatever. It just is what it, it's a fact. Yeah, there are plenty of tight ends that have had that that could have been great, great tight ends that just have not been able to stay on the field. And and Tyler, unfortunately, it looks like he's going to be one of them. I think it's why you see the Bengals have kept three, four, and if you counted Ryan Hewitt, who's also hurt right now too, technically five tight ends on the roster. It's a physically demanding. Position and uh, a lot of times the Bengals are not, are not, at least among them, use a lot of two tight, not a lot, but at least some two tight end sets, and that's why they've kept so many. And that, guys. that second touchdown, Croft caught, was caught fabulous. Against, it was great, but it, he, he got rocked. Yeah, I mean, he could have landed on his neck. No doubt, it looked got somersaulted. It looked brutal, and you know, I think Bill Lazor has done a good job of identifying the soft spots in the coverage and, and putting tight ends in there. The, the Croft catch on third and seventeen against the Browns. The catch Uzama had against the Bills, which really got them out of uh, out of the shadow of the end zone there and getting gave them a, a good spot. It was in that game, right? Yes, Uzama's yes. catch. Yep. Okay, I'm trying to think. Um, you know, hopefully he can he can devise a game plan where you don't have to have your tight ends take those kind of hits. I think that's ideal for any offensive coordinator, but it does look like he's figured out a way to sort of find some of the soft spots and, and just and have a tight end get in there and, and make some plays. Right, let's talk about the, the Bengals here at the bye week. They are 2-3, and three and, and they've been fortunate to kind of get back in this race really quickly. Uh, Baltimore sits at 3-2. and two. Pittsburgh sits at 3-2. and two. Pittsburgh was a very difficult game this weekend at yeah. Kansas City. Baltimore does get uh, Chicago at home, so all likelihood they get to 4-2. and two. But at the very least, the Bengals are still only going to be one game in the loss column behind either one coming out of the bye week. Um, and playing some pretty good football. And I'm going to ask you, because I'll give a couple reasons. For Bengals fans, what are a couple things that you look at and you go, I'm optimistic over the last 11 games they can continue this trend because? 
I think the way I think some of the drives Andy Dalton had in the second half, you have to you have to give him credit for the way that we've talked about it in earlier in the games, in the game against Green Bay in the second half, he has figured out a way to close the deal. There there were plenty of times where if they don't get a third down, if they don't get this, if they don't get that, then the Bills had a chance to get right back into the game. And one seventeen sixteen, he goes five of six on a drive that leads to a field goal. Um, and hit a couple of third down passes, one to Croft, who we're just right. talking about, and yeah. one to Brandon LaFell um, that kept the drive alive. And, and and I thought it was a very aggressive drive for them and for him. And he made, and he made another play with his feet. I think he had a six or seven yard scramble. Uh, that was a big drive because while you only got three out of it, it would have been nice to get seven and completely close it out. It did then force Buffalo to have to drive for a touchdown yeah. to win it. They get that drive against the Packers at any point in the second half, they win. and they win the game. And they really Period. well, they did to some degree. They got the drive that, that Mixon slipped on. If Mixon doesn't right, slip right. on third and one, but yeah, your point's right. well taken. But that was that was a Mixon led drive. It was that yes. wasn't a Dalton led drive. There was another drive, in the th- and it, it it resulted in in AJ Green when he caught it and then got hit and fumbled. He completed two passes in that sequence where. Andre Smith got blown up. He felt the pressure behind him, rolled out, and I think hit Alex Erickson for a first He did. Down. It was it, well, He almost gave up on the play. He kind of like tucked it under his arm and, and all of a sudden realized, oh, wait, I'm in open space, scrambled out to his left, and he did hit Alex Erickson right near the sideline for a first and down. And then there was another one where I think the Bills sent the house almost, and he almost had to jump and throw it to Bernard. The very next play was the A.J. Green fumble, but that was a third and nine. Right. He found Bernard you know, out, out there. That was a great play. And and the drive you're talking about, he had a couple drives. I think going forward, the the way Andy Dalton has not given up on plays and the way he's been able to find the open receiver, you know, after that three-second window when he thinks he should throw it, I think that's a real sign, a real sign of hope. Under Bill Lazor's quarterback rating is 116.1. The first two games of this year under Ken Zampezi, the quarterback rating 47.2. You can take that for what it's worth, but I think it does show – the offense is different. He is different, and and, the, and they are a much improved offense with still leaps and bounds to go because the running game is still an issue. Running game is still an issue. I I thought we were looking for optimism. I know. <laughs> no, you're right. Um, I, I don't know how the running game gets changed. I think this is probably a big week where the Bengals can sort of self evaluate, and, and they're of, absolutely doing that instead of planning for a team. They're they're working on themselves. They're Hopefully, getting some answers with the running game. I don't. I don't really know what. I don't know. There, there's not going to be a magic bullet or magic beans that they can plant in the ground and, and somehow sprout a running game. No, we, we talked to Bill Lazor on Monday. The, those of us that that, that um, are, are beat writers for the team, and, and um, he he mentioned trying to find through some self analysis this week of some runs that maybe they can hang their hat on and, and maybe start to feel confident in it. And, and I think that's the big part. I think you have found the running back that's going to be the feature guy. I think Joe Mixon has made enough quality runs now to where it's hard not to go, that's the guy. Uh, the touchdown run was designed to go up inside, he bounces it out. Um, got a big 10-yard run actually at the end of the game that allowed the Bengals then to take three knees and, and, and yeah. call, call it a day. And those were really both... Him showing his skill. Now, you don't always want backs to constantly bounce things because that often leads to three- and four-yard losses. But I think it shows, and we've seen some other runs from Joe Mixon where the initial contact is a yard behind the line of scrimmage. He winds up with a positive two-yard run. That doesn't show up as much other than a two-yard run, but it was a two-yard run that could have been a one-yard loss. That's a big difference in this league, three yards. It's a big difference. I think he's. I think he sees the field. I think basically everything you said, just to put a, a – 
a, a cherry on top of that. I think I think he realizes when there there are cornerbacks that are sneaking in when they think they know where the play is going and on that touchdown, he caught a couple guys you know watching the paint dry <laughs> because they they were not where they were supposed to be and and he recognized that and and found a way to score. And the Bengals have had issues in the red zone. And they date back to last year. We thought, okay, well, when Tyler Eifert comes back, things are going to be okay. They they're, they haven't been okay. And for him, to get, for him to get into the end zone from that spot, for him to bounce it out to not get caught up in the wash and score that touchdown because the Bengals were trailing at that point, yep. for them to get that touchdown, gigantic. And I think he is the guy going forward. I think Gio Bernard... Has a place in this offense. I think he's got. More, I think he's got more of a place in this offense too. I think he's kind of been the because it feels like every time he's touched it, really good things have happened. Yeah, they've they've hit on that that screenplay. Obviously, the, the same play that that hit on the um, on the in the Packers where he was wide open in the flat. There hit hit again with with the Browns. He's getting more of a look out of the backfield. What Jeremy Hill can bring this team. I don't know. We talked about it, that he could be maybe the fourth quarter guy if they have a lead. He, he gets some of the, the chunk yardage there potentially, but th- this offense is moving forward and they're trying to figure out solutions and, and Jeremy Hill may not necessarily be a part of that at this point. No, that's probably true. The, the other thing I want to touch on, obviously, is, is the play of the defense. And, and I think if you're a Bengals fan, you, you should be extremely optimistic about what this defense will continue to do because – Hey, look, they, they played one dynamic offense at this point, Green Bay, and, and Aaron Rodgers hit on three big pass plays. You take those three big plays out, you can't do it, but I'm just talking from a yardage perspective. His 25 other completions for 149 yards, that's not very much. They've gotten consistent pressure. They're on pace for a team record of sacks. Um, I think the fact they've rolled so many young guys in the secondary, you now can withstand an injury to Adam Jones, withstand an injury to Drake Kirkpatrick. Nick Vigil's taking steps forward. And Vontez Perfect in just the second game back, was an absolute machine. And that boat, and we've seen him the last couple of years. He comes back and it takes a few games, and then all of a sudden he's playing really well by the end of the year. Unfortunately, the year's up. And then the next year he starts with a suspension or he's been hurt. This time around, okay, two games in a bye. I think if he stays healthy, he is going to have a huge last 11 games of the year. I think that defense has a chance to really carry this team far. I think they already have. I think they're, yeah, right. they're, they're second in the league and they're second in the NFL and second in the AFC in sacks, in yards allowed, in points allowed per game. They have 18 sacks through five games. Correct. On pace for 58, which would obliterate the team record of 51. They had, I think they had 30... 37, I think, last year. All yeah. of last year. So they're they're halfway to their sack numbers of, of last year through five games. And, and, and I... I I don't. I haven't looked at this number, but the the, the pressures as well on top of the sacks. I mean, the the, the pressure. It, one of the things is you want to finish with the sacks, and sometimes the pressure is just as good too. Right. To force a guy to hurry up a throw, to throw it into traffic, whatever. Um, they've had consistent pressure on top of just and getting Mar- sacks. And Marvin has said that in the past that he's not as concerned with the sack numbers as he is with are they right. getting to the quarterback? Right. Are they figuring out a way to disrupt him? And you know, it was funny to think. Everyone sort of ran with the narrative. Oh, AJ Green made these mistakes, but then he, then he, you know, next play for him, and and that's true. He he did have that big catch on third down that set up the mix and touchdown. Um, but 
when he makes those mistakes, when Dalton makes those mistakes, the defense has to go out onto the field. And I thought they were great in the, in the sudden change situation. <laughs> they were outstanding, and they don't. I don't think they got enough credit because it was easy to say, well, Green redeemed himself with, with that catch, that 49-yard catch, and, and that's fine, he did, but, but the defense put that team in a position to redeem for AJ to redeem himself. Yeah, t- two, of, two of the three turnovers, they were already in scoring position. Another time on a punt return, they were... Yeah. Well, they were in the red zone following that in a penalty. Out of those three possessions, they got 10 points. One touchdown, the field goal, and actually another time they pushed them out of field goal range in three possessions where they started almost with an automatic field goal at well, the very least. And that was an all-world throw by Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, to, at the back, the and that was the third down play. You stop that, it's two field goals is right. all they get. You're right. right. So, I mean, if a, if a quarterback's going to make that type of play against you and make that type of throw at the back of the end zone, you got to tip your cap. Yeah. That was a great throw. So, I think the Bengals... You know, they Vontez Perfect after the game said, "I really don't think they should have scored on us at all." And that's legitimate. That's a legitimate thought because if he doesn't make that throw, if they figure out a way to push them out of field goal range, you know, this defense not only has this defense played in an elite level so far this year, but they aren't satisfied with the way they're playing because they get into the locker room after the game and say, "Gosh, we left some things out there." All right. Anything else you want to touch on before we get to our teaser of the week? Um. I don't know. I'm enjoy. I, I will say maybe cross promotion of the podcast. I'm enjoying you and, and Rick and Chad. I think that's uh, that's some fantastic. I, 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 I will cross promote because because we do Chad Chad Brendel, Rick Boring, and I do a, a it'll start to be a weekly twice a week podcast for college basketball. We've done it for the last year, and then also the Angry Quarterbacks podcast with my former radio partner Tom Gamble, me, and former uh, UC quarterback Tony Pike. Talk a little high school, a little college, and a little NFL. So I appreciate the cross-promotion of the podcast. Yeah, and you can hear Tony Pike talk about UC football. We've got the Luke Fickle Show on Sunday night talking UC football. Coach has been great despite some of the scores that have been uh, been racked up against him. <laughs> and, and, and this weekend isn't going to be any prettier, I don't think, either. Uh, I, think, I honestly think that this week may go better than some people think. I don't think they're going to win, but USF has not really played anybody. They've played nobody. they played one team with a winning record. Do you know that one team as they play with a winning record? Uh, no. Stony Brook. Oof. Okay. There you go. So, yeah. So, and, and they've they've let some teams hang around. And they've they've been down at halftime before. I don't think UC's going to go in there and get a win. But I think it's I don't think it's going to be as big. I think UCF is a much better team than USF. They might be. I, I mean, I, I think if you put it on paper, people would say USF right now. But UCF has played really, really well. Um, and, and that score they hung on UC on Saturday, I think, is indicative. I think you, you were looking at the next Nebraska coach um, who's coaching UCF, Scott yes, Frost. Yes, Scott Frost. Well, Luke Fickle beat Scott Frost when he was the D coordinator and Frost was the O coordinator at Oregon in the national championship game, but lost to Frost on Saturday. Charlie Strong beat Luke Fickle as a coordinator at Florida in the national championship game when he was at Ohio State, so maybe the reverse there you go. will happen here. Let's... Let's hope so. Right. Anyway, we've got the teasers. All right, and uh, just just to reiterate, I'm 0 3 now, right? I, 0 3. I, I took the Steelers. The Steelers got me last week. They were part of my three team teaser. We're taking a three team teaser, in which, in a teaser for those of you that are not uh, not degenerates like Jed, um, you can move <laughs> you can move the line six six and a half seven points. Get different odds. But we've decided to do it with seven points. Um, so last week I took Pittsburgh down to one against Jacksonville, and they only proceeded to lose by 21. So um, that didn't work out so well for me. I think I hit the, did I hit the other two? I had the you Bengals. Did. and I You had, did hit Detroit. Yeah. Uh, Carolina won by three, right. and you had Detroit 
Plus four and a half. I ended up, Drum roll. You did hit your three-teamer a week ago. I did hit my three-teamer, and here's here's the problem with it. I did hit it. Green Bay plus nine at Dallas. Jets plus six at Cleveland. And Philly plus a half a point hosting Arizona. The problem at all times is when you win, you don't feel good because you could have just parlayed those three. <laughs> so even when you hit, sometimes you think, oh, hey, I, you know, I'm in the plus or I, 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 I got one to go. But those three, just straight up on the parlay, would have, would have, would have won. Would have paid you more. That's so fair. that's always. It's like golf. Even when you go out and you, you think you're really good, you know that there are a couple shots you left out. Yeah, there. you know the, the 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 two putt par from 40 <laughs> feet that just missed. I should have made the putt, right? <laughs> right. So maybe maybe go in and look and say, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this on the teaser, and then maybe just kick a little to the parlay just so you can win both if if that's the potential. But. Uh, on the board with uh, with the teaser, and hopefully we'll both get one. All right, week. let's see. Fire away. You go first. All right, I'm going to keep that Packer train rolling. I think if you can get the Packers in points, I think you do it. So I'm going to take the Packers on the road this week at Minnesota, plus four. Minnesota is going to be without uh, Stephon Diggs, their number one target wideout. That was announced on Friday, if you're listening. And Sam Bradford. And Well, yeah, and Sam Bradford and Keenum is, is serviceable, but mm. obviously he's no Aaron Rodgers. Uh, th- this this one I'm nervous about. You'll probably point at this one and say this is where you're going to lose. I'm going to take the Niners plus 18 at Washington. No, because, look, I, I think San Francisco's terrible, um, but but they've hung around in yeah. a lot of games. They, um, they only have one double-digit loss, right. and that was the first no, week I, of the year. No, I'm not opposed. And Washington gets sloppy at times. Um, no, I, Washington wins this comfortably, but I... Boy, give it up. I don't think they win by more than 18. I'm, I'm, I'm not opposed to that number. They're going West Coast, 1 o'clock start. That's that's normally a, a red flag. You stay away from those games. But 18 points is, is too much. And and this is, a, this is a Washington team that has issues. This isn't a Washington team that, that really is going to walk in and roll. So Niners plus 18. And then I'm going to go Lions plus 11 at New Orleans. I'm taking three road teams. It's, it's, that's That's tough. I think the Lions are a good enough team to hang with New Orleans, even though they're coming off a bye. I like the Lions plus 11 at New Orleans. All right, you got, the, you got a couple, couple of them that tease up big. All right, I'm going to take one that's way in the weird category. I, I thought this was a team that would win maybe one game all season long. You look up, and they're now 3-2. and two. I'm going to take the New York Jets getting 16. This is with the teaser number against New England. Um, New England just continues to kind of slog its way through the season. They honestly should be 2-3. and three. If not for how bad Nick Folk is, give them credit; they are three and two. But I, I just don't know if they're good enough to. They should put, be one and four. Yeah, maybe you're right. That's a good point. They should be one and four. That's, if he doesn't, if they don't yeah. come back against Houston, you're right. Yeah. Um. So I feel safe with the Jets. One thing: the Jets' defense has been pretty solid throughout. Offensively, and eh, not so much. I'm going opposite in that Green Bay game. Um. I'll take the Vikings. They're getting three at home. I'm going to take them up to ten. I think they're it's such a rivalry game. I, I can see Green Bay winning it, I, and, and that way you would end up covering yours too. But I, right. 10, 10 at home, I, I think that's a that's a safe play, even with Case Keenum. And then I'm going to take the Jacksonville Jaguars up to four and a half. This will probably be the week the Jaguars become the Jaguars again, and Blake Bortles throws two pick sixes, and um, they, they find a way to lose. But maybe the win over Pittsburgh was a turning point for them. That defense has been decent at times, um, and, and the Rams have been good – I'm just I just don't know if they go on the road and win. And even if they win, are they gonna win by more than a field goal? I'm saying no. So yeah. I, I feel really good about this week's teaser for me. That's that's another one with the Rams heading heading to the East Coast and you know, they, they 
they're, they look really good at times, and, and they can go on there. You know, they prove they can go to Dallas and get a win, but they just were not clicking. They, were, they, they should have beat Seattle. Is that how they played this past? Yeah, they played this yeah, past they, well, the Yeah, Cooper Cup dropped a touchdown. Dropped a touchdown. They had a couple other plays in that game where it was like, what are you guys doing? Some just missed time. They're, they're going through some lumps. Sammy Watkins looked like he was going to be kind of that feature receiver, and he's sort of taken a step back. So, yeah, I, it's tough. I, the, the Jaguars, defensively, people are talking this week, can the Jaguars go out and trade for Eli Manning or Phillip Rivers? <laughs> and, and what would that do for this team if they could go out and do that? I don't know. But the defense for the Jags is there. I like I like, I like Pierce, too. All right, good Pierce deal. Too. All right, you and I will be back Sunday on the Sports Authority on Local 12 with Doug Pelfrey. Even though it's a Bengals bye week, we still got a lot of stuff to discuss. You'll be hosting the Luke Fickle Show. Make sure you catch that. Catch my podcast with Chad Brendel and, and uh, Rick Broering. We'll have another one coming up probably last week of October. Then we'll be in our twice-a-week podcast mode. And, of course, the weekly Angry Quarterbacks with my former radio partner, Tom Gamble, Tony Pike, and myself. Bengals Nation Wednesday night at the Moorline Lager House. Come down. We'll have a guest for you. I think Vinny Ray and Vontaze Perfect are scheduled to appear next week, which should be very interesting. Very interesting. We'll see if, if both one or hopefully not neither. We need a guest. But we had Anthony Munoz down this past week. He was fantastic. Talked about his role in the right stuff. That'll air Saturday night. Well, they dubbed his voice. Yeah, that'll air Saturday night uh, after the 11 o'clock news on Local 12. So watch Bengals Nation at 11.30 on Saturday night. DVR it at the very least, and then come down and join us at the uh, Moreline Lager House on Wednesday when we tape. Very good. All right, for Jenny Musi, I'm Richard Skinner. Thanks for being with us on today's Skinny Podcast, the Bengals edition. <laughs>